welcome to Maiden Speech. My name is Monica Ferguson, portrait photographer and self-love advocate from New Zealand. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to uplift and empower you. Thanks for hanging out. Now let's get into it. Good morning, Zareen. How are you? Morning, Monica. I'm really good, thank you. Good. I'm very excited to be talking to you this morning. Man, me too. I, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, I think an hour, if we can fit this into an hour or less, that would be so impressive because normally it's like a three-hour thing. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't do an hour. <laughs> I know. We're going to have to say focus, seriously focus. But I was thinking about you this morning in the shower, as I do. I do my best thinking in the shower. And, la la. <laughs> and I was trying to kind of figure out how would I describe you? How would I sum you up? And one of the things I realized was that one of my favorite things about you is that you can't really be put into a box. Like you're so many things. Like I met you as a coach and an author and in saying that like in terms of your writing, you're by yeah. far the most straight up writer I've ever met, which is so cool, which is why I was drawn to you straight away. But then also I feel like probably the most powerful thing you are as a researcher like I feel mm. like you are the depths of knowledge that you have about things and and you know and you're a filmmaker and all these sorts of things so it's like it's very exciting because you've got all these different you know avenues that you can draw knowledge from so yeah thank you I can't wait to hear the truth bombs you're going to drop on us today <laughs> thank you yeah it's a very busy place inside my head a lot of the time yeah <laughs> I imagine so I know we're going to sort of, we are going to stay focused today though, around yes. emotional resiliency, which is your specialty. You speak about it, you write about it, I mean, you research it, you travel around the world talking to people about it. So what would be awesome would be if you could actually tell us what that is. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, okay. So it's, it's, it's a huge thing. And I think it's one of those things that, that we hear a lot, emotional intelligence or emotional re resiliency. And for me, that the definition of that is how we can cope with things that are thrown at us in life. And, you know, I think we've all heard the story of one situation that happens that's awful and one person deals with it fine and another person completely crumbles. Mm. And so that was a really interesting concept to me uh, for many, many years. And my belief is that if we all have healthy emotional resilience the world itself would be a much better place you know and I still struggle to uh, like for me it's about understanding who we are as human beings as well mm. and so the fact that that this isn't a major part of the curriculum um, and a major thing that we teach our kids like I struggle with that sometimes yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. especially when you say like the reality in our in our culture and again I always bring this up but especially in New Zealand like the suicide rates and the mental well-being is just like spiraling downhill so it's like how can this not be something that we're actually learning about yeah well we we're globally we're in a mental health crisis globally yeah. like you know I'm reading articles from all over the world and you know it's talking about how there are massive cues for even kids trying to get into the mental health care system you know and I think the thing about emotional resilience is you know this is another thing that I talk about is narratives so we have all these stories about the world around us and they're formed by our experiences 
experiences in life. So I've spoken about this before where, you know, when we're born, our parents have the most influence on us when, when we're little. And then we watch what our peers are doing and, and listen to what our peers are saying. And then it goes into um, our school, our high school, our tertiary education, our jobs, and so on. And, and so we're constantly, because our brains are wired to attach meaning to every single thing that we encounter, right? Mm -hmm. So we're taking this from, even from like the media. And this is uh, something, <laughs> again, I'm, you know, it concerns me slightly, is, you know, because social media is awesome, but also when we, we talk about things like algorithms, then we're looking at being fed the same kind of stuff that we've been searching for. And so we're, we're kind of building that same narrative and not being able to think outside the box as much. And so with emotional resilience and going back to what I was saying about when you get two people who deal with the situation differently. So we have these parts of our brains that talk to each other. And so one of them is our emotional brain. And one of them is our logical brain. So I, I, like I'm sure a lot of people will, heard, will have heard of the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. So this is your logical brain. And how we cope with things, it depends on the conversation between our emotional brain and our logical brain. Yeah. So because, and so the people who cope the best are the ones who recognize and manage their emotions. And, and when we talk about emotions, it's like, well, what is, what is emotions? That's the point between your thought and your behavior. So when you've built a narrative based upon all the people around you, the way that, that you think about a situation and the way that you then behave depends on that story, that conversation that your brain is having. I hope that kind of makes some sense. It does. Yes, it totally yeah. does. And then actually yeah. it's quite interesting, I guess, even linking it back to social media and stuff, how with algorithms, like that is so freaky how everyone's had that experience where you were talking about something and then it suddenly appeared on your newsfeed or, yeah. you know, or like I'll chat to my friend in Sweden and all of a sudden I've got Swedish hotels appearing and it's like, you can see how it would be very easy to stay in your little world, never being exposed to anything else. Yeah. Just thinking the same things, seeing the same things, talking to the same people. You can totally see how that, and that, if, that could easily be a negative thing. If you were, stuck in like a dark place and you're just constantly having those things reinforced constantly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one, one of the problems as well, I think in this day and age is, is that we make it very easy to escape from discomfort. Yes. And, you know, and when we're doing that, we're, we're hopping onto Facebook or Instagram, things like that. And we're just scrolling through and we're seeing the same things and the same things. Now I'm not dissing Facebook or Instagram in any way, shape or form, I'm all about balance and about understanding. And in the work that I've done, you know, I've come across a lot of women who are really struggling. And I'm sure this happens to men too, is that they're seeing what, like basically other people's highlight reels, and then they're comparing it to their lives. And then they're comparing themselves. And the truth is that, um, you know, this, this perfection, this, oh, they have a perfect life, grass is greener on the other side. This perfection thing to me, it's not a, a reality. Like there's no such thing as perfection. Perfection is only, to me, perfection is only the belief that, that you have or the perception of other people that you take on, you know, you take that on board. And I think it's really important to remember about self-acceptance. I mean, that, that's a, 
that's a skill that you have to have to have good emotional resilience. You need to understand that there's no scale to measure our worth as humans. Okay. So you can't, you can't compare yourself as a, yeah, you can't compare yourself as a human to another human, but what you can do is you can rate your behavior, right? And the way that you react. And that is something that you can change because your behavior is as a result of the thoughts that you've had your, and you know, your emotions. So if you can get to the bottom of that, why am I being triggered? And you can challenge that and you can say, actually, I don't, I don't want to behave like this. I don't want to feel like this. If you can master the art of challenging and reframing, then you build that self-acceptance, you know? We're just, no one's perfect. Yeah. And I guess, too, it's remembering that we actually have a choice. Like, we're not victims to things. Mm. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's easy. Sorry. No, you go, you go. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Please go ahead. I was just thinking, so how do you think that our, and like millennials cop a lot of slack, right? A lot. <laughs> how do you think, and I am a millennial, so be careful. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah. how do you think in terms of, yeah, resilience, like when I think back to, okay, even my grandparents, right? If I go and talk to them about a problem, they have this very harden up approach, you know, mm. like the luxury mm. to feel sad or to be depressed or and I see it's, it's interesting because I know that, that I can see both sides, whereas they had, you know, their upbringing was completely different. And to, like to them, we seem like a bunch of spoiled, you know, people that have, a, you know, all these luxuries and nothing to complain about. But I also feel like we have a lot of new problems that didn't exist when, you know, 50 years ago. So how do you feel like our generation in terms of emotional resilience, is there a, like, where does this come from, our seeming, seemingly sort of inability to cope with stuff? Is it because we've got so much on our plate, or is it because we actually haven't learned, like, basic things and how to look after ourselves, how to build up our, you know, our self-acceptance and our self-worth and all that sort of thing? Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a loaded question, I Monica, I but <laughs> I totally hear what you're saying, yeah, and I mean, I don't, like, obviously, like, I would never profess to have the, the answers to everything, but, I mean, I have thought about this, obviously, I have thought about it, and I think, I think that it's really hard for a generation who have been brought up living their life behind a lens, and mm. again, it, I don't want to be bashing social media, I, I really don't, but when you live your life through, through a lens and you feel that, you know, every single thought that you have in your head should come out because here, here's the thing years and years ago, like you're talking about your grandparents. I think that was a time when a lot of people didn't talk about their feelings and didn't really understand anxiety or the overwhelm. They just got up and got on with it. And yeah. their lives were so much more basic in the way of, they didn't have as much choice. They didn't have everything instantly so they didn't have uh this like a rational belief that life life should be fair you know and i should be able to say whatever i want whenever i want and i think part part of that is because we've swung the pendulum too far and i think this always happens looking through history i think that pendulums in different areas get swung too far sometimes and we've got to bring it back and i think also, there, is, there was a wave of, of parenting that came through that 
we don't, you know, my child can be anything that they want to be. And I don't want my child to feel pain. And I don't want my child to go through what I went through as a child and blah, blah, blah. And I can understand that I'm a, I'm a mother, right? And I get it. And there are many times that I want to save Neve from, you know, like the shitty things that happen in life, right? Yeah. But sometimes I just have to let her be aware that she has strengths in some areas and not so much in other areas. And I have to let her fall down because if I don't, she won't learn properly how to take risks, right? And she'll just go crazy whenever she goes out and gets to take risks. So I think when you get, when you have, when you have this kind of sense of everyone should be out there and everyone should get to just download everything that comes out of their face and you know it should be entitled and I think I think this is just me personally I think that I can't see how that couldn't have been fueled by the you know like smartphones and things coming out and us being able to say you know keyboard warriors you know because it's so much easier it's so much easier to say something online and the problem as well that that we have with that is it depends on what study you read right but anywhere studies that i've read anywhere between 60 percent and 90 percent of the communication that we have contains nonverbal cues yeah well that's how you (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. and again as i say it depends on on what research you're reading but i mean you know and that's the thing as well when we don't understand how to read those verbal cues it impacts on our ability to be empathic towards someone mm-hmm. because the brain does like magic inside when when i'm sitting with you when we sit together and we're talking face to face our brains are doing all kinds of magic we're taking in each other's eyes the way that that we move the way that we hold our bodies and it's helping me to understand are the words that you're saying out of your face in line with what your body language is? And my brain just like magically can do that um, as can anyone's. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, you say the millennials and I laugh, but I do think it, it has a lot to do with the fact that you're right. We had a generation where they didn't talk about their feelings and now we have generations where it's expected that we talk about every single feeling. And yeah. on top of that as well, there's a busyness, right? There, there's, a, there's a busyness now that we have. And, you know, our mutual friend Jess talks about mindfulness, right? And, I mean, she's, man, I rate Jess so much um, talking on, on the subject of um, mindfulness. And I've learned a lot, like, listening to her and attending her workshops and um, from her books. And I've also got a friend in the USA, Cindy Pierce, and she's written three books. And I'm just reading one of her books at the moment. Um, and it's called Sexploitation, and it's, it's on a different thing to emotional resilience. But in it, she talks about our inner compass. And we've got so much choice nowadays that it can be so overwhelming, you know? And we're not, we're not unplugging. Every time that we have a spare minute, we're hopping online or we're busy doing this or we're, we're, you know, over promising that we can do that. And there, there is this competition, you know, and that's going back to what I was saying about self-acceptance and how we, you know, how we are comparing ourselves to other people and we're filling our lives with all this stuff. 
and we're we're not listening to our inner compass we're not hearing it you know and that's uh, you know we have a choice to unplug you know and, and cindy talks about how we've got this choice to unplug we just have to remind ourselves to do it because you can't listen to your inner compass if you don't slow down and step away from all the pressure and i think there is a massive massive amount of pressure on millennials to be perfect to be the most loved to achieve the most um and to be constantly you know having to 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 fix everything to know everything and to project that out everywhere across the world yes yes thank you <laughs> i don't know if you can relate to any of that and i kind of went off on tangents there while i was talking about it uh, that's what we do <laughs> And you've triggered about 80 questions in my brain now. For a while, there was a meme that was going around online and it was stop the glorification of busy. And I was like, yeah. so true. Because isn't that yeah. the number one thing that we hear, especially like in the business world, for people that are mums as well as business owners, it's like everyone's just so busy looking after everyone else all the time. And it's like, and honestly, it is. If you, if you say to people, oh, I'm so busy, like, oh, that's good. Is it? Like... <laughs> Is it really? I mean, there's busy and then there's busy. So I love all of that. That absolutely yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw a picture of a woman balancing a baby on her knee and uh, working as well at the same time and had like a beautifully perfect house. Mm. And I just thought, oh, well, that, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, and if you're, if you're expecting people to live up to that, that, that's, I don't feel like that's a positive message. I feel like we miss out on the fact that, you know, and I, and there's this whole thing about failure, right, as well. And, and this is another emotional resilience skill is understanding that you need to separate yourself, you need to separate failure from failing. And you need to separate success from succeeding. Because you can fail at a task and you can succeed at a task, you know, but you're not a failure as a person and you're not a success as a person. Oh, that you know? is so good. That is so good, man. And I, but I think, you know, if, if people could see that it would be, it would be a lot more helpful because, um, yeah, because the glorification of being busy and being busy means that you, you just, the, so I've also read research on, um, the fact that the more multitasking that we do, the less effective we are, right? So yep. we multitask and think, oh, I did this and I did that and I did that. But actually, the, the reports that I've read are saying that, no, your brain works better when you just function on the one thing, you know? Yeah. So, and, and we do. And I think, I think a lot of the busyness glorification comes from the fact that we're looking at other other people and I think particularly in business we look at other people and go oh my god they're you know they they're posting all the time and they're getting this and they're doing that and then they've got this and they've got that and they've got that but you know that that leads to burnout totally you know I mean there may be there may be people in the world for whom that really works and and they're all good with it I'm sure that there are those people but um for me and my, my experience and from what I've studied and people that I've talked to, that sets you on your path for burnout if, if it's not in line with your values, I guess. If it's, not, if it's not your priority. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. 
there's so many things I need to write down here, which I will go back. <laughs> so, okay, let's go right back to the start. So how, like your point about, and I had this conversation with someone the other day where she was talking about this lady and her sister and they both had like a really hard upbringing. Um, yet one of them, you know, had gone on to turn it all around to build this massive business to help others. She'd really become empowered by it, you know, and the other one, uh, had just crumbled and had never got over it, you know, substance abuse, that sort of thing. How is that? Like, how is it that, yeah, that way, is it, is this like a nature versus nurture thing? Oh, that's an interesting question. And it's hard, it's hard for me to answer that question in terms of like, I don't know what their background is and I don't know how they were brought up, what the family life was like or anything like that. And so for me to be able to answer that question, I'd have to, to look at what the nurture was. Yeah. Because, so it sounds like the, the girl who didn't cope, you know, that's like, a, it sounds like a trauma, you know, like she, she was traumatized by this event that happened. Mm. And so that really depends on an individual's, how an individual sees the story that's happening. Yep. And that is, I mean, and, and you can get people who have grown up in ex- exactly the same background and they, they react differently. And again, that that's to do with like, was there a difference in the ages of them? Because if you're talking about children, you know, children have, you know, they go through different stages and, and the brain is forming. So at what point did that trauma happen? You know, what age was that child when the trauma happened, the girl, you know, the, the two girls, what age were they? Was there a difference in their age? So I don't, I wish I had a silver bullet answer to say, oh yeah, it's a, it's a nature thing or it's a nurture thing. I, do, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. with as much as I read, like I, I couldn't tell you on that, but what I can tell you is again, what I said, it's, it's about these narratives. And then it's like, what have you attached this story? What, what, how has that been attached in your in your brain Mm. yeah okay so where do we actually begin let's say we want to become emotional powerhouses and we want to be able to go through you know whatever life throws at us and and come out stronger and um yeah how do like where do you actually begin (laughs) i think you begin by looking at the the times when you feel upset angry anxious like there are there's so there's like all these um negative healthy and healthy negative emotions that we can have right and so they're like grief and sadness disappointment annoyance irritation disappointment and these are healthy and these are normal healthy negative emotions that we feel yeah but then we've got these unhealthy negative emotions which are things like anxiety depression anger rage jealousy hurt and and you know these kind of things and so we have to think about okay where am I going to start? Well, first of all, I'm going to start looking at when, what makes me feel anxious? What makes me feel depressed or angry or jealous or hurt? When in life have I behaved in a way that did not serve me? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at that, you can say, okay, well, what was, what was my trigger? And so there's a, there are a few um, skills, emotional resilience skills, which I can, I can run through with you. So um, (laughs) the first one, as I said, was the self-acceptance, right? And this is where we need to, when we're, we're, 
you know, beating ourselves up and comparing ourselves to other people and thinking that we're worthless. This is where we look, you know, we have to tell ourselves that there is no scale to measure our worth as human beings. Yeah. We can only rate our behavior and there is no such thing as perfection. So what we need to do is we need to learn how to accept the things that we can't change and change the things that we can. Yeah. Okay, and I know that's, that's like a, a sort of a cliched <laughs> saying and we hear that <laughs> quite a lot, um, but it's true. And then there's uncertainty. So if we can strengthen ourselves in that area as well, because we do, some of us do have a tendency to assume that we have control over everything, you know? So when, when we're taken into an area where we're uncertain, it's a really uncomfortable place to be, you know? And is then that, as... Sorry, sorry, can I just jump in there? Is that, do you think that's to do with this need for perfection? That actually, if we're starting out and we don't know things, it's actually uncomfortable because we're not going to be perfect. Yeah, and I mean that kind of yeah, perfectionism. Yeah, perfectionism is is it's another thing that we really need to be aware of because if we're trying to live up to an impossible standard, that's going to create a whole load of anxiety for us. Mm. You know, so we need to be really, really careful that, uh, and this is where we need to be pragmatic and. We need to understand about, you know, that life isn't fair and that sometimes life sucks, <laughs> you yeah. know, and if you view your, the situation and find a way to find a solution, an effective solution, you know, and implement that solution. And so I know the next question you're going to ask me is how do we, how do we um, find solutions? Okay. Yeah. So problem solving <laughs> is another skill that, that we can work on. So here's the thing about the brain. Whenever we focus on a problem, and especially if it's causing us anxiety, our emotional brain is going to hook onto that. And unfortunately, our emotional brain is way more powerful than our rational brain. So what happens is it will blow it up. And then all of a sudden, this issue or this fear is the only thing that we see. Okay. So we one good practical task that you can do is to write down what your fear or you know your problem what 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 is the problem that you're seeing and then usually if we have one problem there are usually like a subset of problems that follow that mm -hmm. so so smaller problems so for example um let me just give you an easy example okay i don't like my job but i have to pay my bills right? So, so the paying your bills is a sub problem underneath. I don't like my job, right? So if we write down our problem and we write down all these sub problems and then we work backwards and we start with the sub problems and we go, well, what can I tell myself that is a way to fix this one little problem? So we take the focus away from the big problem. We engage, we switch on our brain from passive sitting there like freaking out to active and writing, writing is a, is a huge thing because writing actually when you write down something it switches something in your brain which allows you to then look at the problem in a different way so there's a whole lot of neuroscience behind that but i definitely definitely recommend to write things down and then start working backwards from there yeah that's so true i've definitely found that with me I, i've started journaling and it just, by the time you've written, you know, freehand, like for a couple of pages, all, you've answered all of your own problems. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah. That is yeah. So it switches. 
Oh, sorry, because they yeah. say that with goal setting, that's the powerful thing, isn't it, as well, to actually write it down. Oh, yeah, there's definite, like, um, there's definite, uh, like, science behind that. Yeah. And, I mean, the other thing that can happen as well when, we, when we're, like, in problem uh, is that we end up procrastinating. <laughs> I procrastinate even when I, I you know, <laughs> when the problem isn't that big. I mean, we're all guilty of procrastination, right? Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I do do is because what I found with procrastination was I would avoid a task and then I'd go, I'm just going to, you know, quickly go and do something else. And then that, that something else, I'd be doing it for ages. I'd come back and then more time had run out on me and I hadn't achieved anything. So I ended up feeling even worse than yeah. I did before I went off on my procrastination uh, task. So like, here are the things that, that I do when I feel like I'm procrastinating and avoiding and this is particularly important because if you've got a problem that's making your life awful you need to like for me it's always about working back take it right back and then work forward Mm -hmm. so procrastination here are the four questions that I ask myself why am I avoiding doing this task or tackling challenging or whatever do I need help yeah. Right. And I, and this is a really big, big one because I, I feel like we don't ask for help enough. Mm-hmm. And then like, what are my boundaries around this? Are my boundaries like really bad? You know, is this what's causing the problem? Is this why I'm procrastinating, you know, and what's my underlying fear? Because all the emotions that we have serve a purpose, you know? So what, what is my underlying fear here? And I find, like, I find that quite helpful as well. That's kind of taking it even further back. If, if you've got a problem and you're sat there and you go, I know that Zareen and Monica said that a switch happens in my brain when I write it all down, but I don't want to write it all down. Okay. Think about your procrastination. Oh, I love it. Far out. <laughs> okay. So those are some really useful tools. I guess for some people, like, I want to I want to come back to this victim thing in terms of yes. resiliency because I yes. feel like even in order to sit back and even be able to ask yourself those questions you have to be coming at it from a place of okay you know self awareness like I am bigger than this problem I'm going to sit I'm going to look at things take a step back it's like it's an empowered approach right you're not like oh these things always happen to me and then making a list of all the things all the terrible things that have ever happened so it's like how do you get people or how can people help themselves to get into that into that frame of mind and not just melt down you know yeah so um i'm glad that i'm glad that you brought this up again because as you probably know responsibility is one of my favorite topics mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I think obviously there, there, there are times when people actually, they need to go and see a psychologist and a counselor and, you know, or a counselor and they need to get, they need to get that appropriate intervention. Okay. And that, and that is that thing. Do, do I need help? Right. So it's recognizing, but yes, there, there is bad things happen to good people. And that is that whole thing of, uh, life can be unfair. So first of all, you need to be aware that if you think that life should be fair, it's an irrational belief that you have. It is really important to take responsibility because by taking responsibility, you empower yourself. And, you know, the thing is, we don't we don't want to be in a state of anxiety or depression or anger or rage or jealousy or whatever. 
but sometimes we just we don't know how to get out of that and I think the things that we need to think about there are what what is your story what what is your narrative you know what emotions are you feeling and realize that and you need to ask yourself have I got a fixed position in this because here's the thing if if you're feeling a victim because of what someone else did to you, they didn't do to you. They acted in a certain way and you responded to how they reacted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's your response. It's your response and it's your responsibility. And that's not to say, you know, people do horrible things and yes, we can be, you know, we can, we can become a victim because of what they've done. But you're right that there is a point where, and there are certain circumstances where you have to become empowered. You know, it's really important that you become empowered and you take responsibility of certain issues and certain behaviors and certain beliefs around that. Mm. And that's, that's, again, that's about your narratives. So your narratives around that situation and what you need to understand, I think what we need to understand as well is that we operate based on our own narratives and the person next to us operates based on their narratives. So if someone is telling you a story, they will tell it through their eyes, through their lens, but you wouldn't necessarily hear it through their lens. You'll hear it through your own lens. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Even right. notice this too, like even with certain words, you know, like there might be a word, like there was a word that I heard the other day and it triggered something in my brain, something nasty mm-hmm. that someone had said to me when I was a child and they used that phrase. And I was like, whoa, like 15 years ago. Yet it's still, yeah. it literally, I still had that. That was my first response was like, whoa. And it had nothing to do with that person at all. So I'm sitting there off on a tangent in my mind thinking about this horrible thing that happened. And I was like, isn't that so powerful? So, so powerful. We could be having completely different experiences with the same story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? That kind of communication, that kind of where you miss where that person's coming from and you put in your narrative on it, man, that is, that's like huge. That happens like so much. And is this a big problem now with social media? Like, so for example, I even get annoyed at emailing and texting sometimes people that don't like, I put a lot of emojis and a lot of laughs and stuff like that, because I always want to convey my tone, you know, otherwise it just comes across as sort of cold and emotionless, but lots of other people don't do that. And I feel like there's so much room there for misinterpretation has that, yes. you know, if you're posting stuff on social media and people are sitting at home comparing, going, okay, well, I already feel not good enough. She said that I feel like she's attacking me personally, da, 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 da. That must create some conflict for people. Yeah. Texting is shite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to, you know, I, I don't know how to say that in any other way. I'm sorry for uh, swearing, but <laughs> like, you know, I, mm, so like what I said before about when we communicate with someone else, you know, and the studies saying between 60 and 90% are nonverbal cues, this is, this is a big thing because I, if you sent me a text message, right, and you didn't put any, you didn't even need to put any emojis or anything on it, but if you sent me a text message, I will interpret that text message based on how I am feeling at the moment that I read that message. So if I'm in a really good mood and you've said something that's quite, I, I'm struggling to think of a, 
uh, of an example here. But if you say, oh, okay, here's an example. We're supposed to be meeting up and you send me a text message and you say, I have to cancel our meeting. Uh, can we do it another day, right? Yeah. Now, if I have had a particularly bad morning and then I've, I've gone and uh, I've had a couple of people who have canceled with me and I had been horrible at a group meeting two or three days ago, I hadn't been on form and I felt like I had been a bit rude and then all of a sudden, you know, some people are canceling on me, then you cancel on me, then how am I going to read that message? You know, I'm going to be thinking, oh my God, you know, rah, rah, was it me? Why is she being like this with me? Rah, rah. Yeah. If none of that had happened and I was having a brilliant day and everything was going really well and you sent me that text message, I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's do another day. Not a problem. And what I would be thinking is, oh, I hope you're okay. Yeah. I hope you haven't had to cancel because something is wrong with you. Right. Yep. So, but if I saw you, if I saw you and you said to me, Oh, Zarine, I'm so sorry. I've got, I've got to cancel our meeting today. I could tell by your face. I could tell by your, your body language, as well as the words coming out your face that you genuinely were just canceling because of something else that was to do with you. And it wasn't to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell that from a text message. No, it is so true. Yeah. So, okay. So in terms of us building that emotional resiliency within ourselves, really, we need to accept the fact that things are going to happen around us and it's actually up to us to decide how we, like if we let that in, if we let that hurt us or affect us. So is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically what, yeah. How do I explain this? How would I say it in a sentence? Oh my gosh, it's such a, it's such a huge topic. Yeah, I mean, what we need to do is we need to understand, first of all, what we need to do is understand who we are, how we operate, mm-hmm. what triggers us. Then we need to look at why it triggers us. And there are certain exercises and things that we can do that can, that can help improve those things. But um, acceptance, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with discomfort, going through all that thing with failure, success, perfectionism, what to do when we're feeling anxious, uh, catastrophizing. And that's that whole thing of being aware that the emotional brain is more powerful than your rational brain. And it's going to blow up the issues until it's the only thing that we see. Mm -hmm. Um, Procrastination, setting good boundaries, being able to problem solve, practicing mindfulness, improving our empathy and, but improving our empathy if we need to. And being very careful about our empathy levels to avoid burnout. So sometimes people struggle with not being empathic enough. Mm-hmm. And so you need to spend time around people and watch their body language. You need to, when you sit with someone, make that conversation all about them, you know, and these are ways that can help, help, help you to learn empathy. But if you're too empathic and you're taking on everyone else's stuff and you're trying, you know, you go to the point where you're trying to fix them then you're going to burn out so you need to you need to know good boundaries you need to know how to read nonverbal cues Mm -hmm. you need to understand that everyone is projecting (laughs) you're projecting the person you're talking to is projecting okay so you need to be and it's really helpful because once you start understanding things about yourself you can then understand about the people that you're interacting with and that to me is just as important about understanding how you work you, we need to understand that life uh, is not meant to be fair. Life is just life. 
and we need to ask like what are we demanding you know when we're getting frustrated in life we we've, we put a demand on something and is that demand a reasonable demand you know like i will put i will oh man i will bake like 300 muffins and i expect every single muffin to be sold at the market today right yeah how easy have i just made that for myself I've made that really easy for myself to feel like I've failed. I've made it really easy for myself to feel frustrated, you know, all those things. So we really need to be thinking about what am I demanding here? And is my behavior helpful? Um, Work-life balance is another thing for emotional resilience, because if you don't have that right, you can start feeling like you've been forced into decisions and that you're not in control. So uh, with that one, it's about looking at what your priorities are and are my priorities actually in line with my values and am I prepared to compromise, you know, because we do like, we do need to compromise sometimes. Conflict is about understanding that people have different narratives. People have fixed positions. We have fixed positions, you know, that think outside the box and sometimes we make things too personal and sometimes we're too serious. Uh, we need to be pragmatic. So mm-hmm. we, need to, we need to be looking at, at finding effective solutions to problems. We need to understand that life is unfair. And we need to understand with stress. Stress can be healthy. And I think a lot of people know this and get it, that um, stress can actually motivate us to do something, to change our situation or to get that task done, whatever that is. But then we've got like toxic stress. Yeah. And when we're, we're having toxic stress and it's causing us anxiety and depression or drinking or taking drugs or, you know, whatever way we're dealing with it, we really need to be good at asking ourselves, what is my trigger? What is my belief around this? And then we need to work out how do we challenge this belief and how do we challenge this behavior? And, you know, ask for help. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of good um, psychologists, counselors, People who have like, oh man, there's so many different techniques, thankfully, that we've learned in the last how many of our years to be able to help cope with these things. And, and mindfulness, you know, that, that mindfulness is, is really, really helpful with that, that kind of thing too. Yeah, yeah. I love this stuff so much. Like, and I also, I think that, yeah, asking for help, it sounds so simple, but it's actually something that's so lacking in our, in our culture like and maybe yeah. this comes back to the whole perfectionism thing and that we're trying to project this image that we're, we're together and we're rich and we're successful and we're so happy and we look beautiful all the time and it's like where are the where are the other conversations I think this is something I love about your blog and when I first started reading it was that it was the exact opposite of that it was like <laughs> you know my life yeah. is like you know shambles like this is what's going on but it's like yeah. it's real you know it's like no, and I feel like these conversations are so valuable for that reason. It all of a sudden it blows the the roof off, and it's like actually all those things that you're thinking and feeling and you're worried about. Every single other person is doing the same thing. And oh, good God! Yeah, yeah of course. It's, it's the of course. Same. Here's the funny thing. Here's the here's the funny thing, right? And that's there's a one of the blogs that I wrote, the Garden Center Art of Not Giving an F. <laughs> that one. It, you know, for me, that was a really great moment when I fell over in, in the cafe because I wasn't embarrassed at all. And that was when I realized that 
I was projecting my belief on people that they, that they would, they would judge me. Yeah. So I'm judging them for judging me when I don't even know what they're thinking in the first place. (laughs) And I think that's the problem is that we assume we assume, and I think it is worse because of social media, because all we show is our highlight reels. Yeah. And, and you know what? And I think this thing of avoiding discomfort is that we forget that sometimes when life is not working the way that we want it or we're getting frustrated, we forget to add humor to that. You know, we forget that, oh man, this is, you know, it's that laugh or cry moment sometimes, you know, and I try to choose laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <over> <laughs> But you know, it's you know, I I consider myself like a positive person. I consider myself, you know, on the whole, I'm I'm a happy person, and you know, like little things in life, I do get joy out of. But I also, you know, but life also throws me curveballs. And I think sometimes we think that if we talk about the stuff that makes us feel sad or makes us feel angry or whatever reaction that we have that falls into a negative category. I think if we, I think we get to, if we, what am I trying to say? I think (laughs) that if we can't express that and, and do that, how can we poke fun at it? How can we embrace everybody and say, you know what, we're all, we all feel like this sometimes and it's okay. It's okay. If we're so busy comparing ourselves to people's highlight reels, then we're setting ourselves up for a pretty nasty fall, you know? Yeah. And I guess too, like, I know that everyone, like a lot of people are going to continue to post, you know, only the highlight stuff, but I feel like at least this is a step in the right direction where we're saying, actually, this is the truth for us, you know, like actual real conversations. I feel like the change is going to have to come from us, not from above, you know? (laughs) And I think there's a warning there though. And that is, like if if we go and we post like lots and lots and lots of like negative stuff like I've I've seen posts where people say oh I'm I'm feeling I can't believe this has happened and then nothing and it's like I don't I don't understand that post (laughs) I don't understand that post because you know so we have to be careful how we how we show ourselves to the public and that's not to say that we need to do a different version of ourselves it's just ah it's that fine line isn't it it's that balance it's that balance between understanding when we need to take responsibility for our stuff and then passing on the stuff that we think is helpful yeah and I guess sometimes I'm poking fun at it yeah and maybe sometimes it's that not everything needs to be shared with everyone like the one, yes. the one thing that drives me crazy is when you see all of these perfect things online, yet I've received a phone call that morning from that person and I know that they're lying at home in tears, like everything's a mess, but they've posted the perfect coffee shot at the beach, you know? And it's mm. like, that's not cool, actually. Like, why not? If you need some time, awesome. Just detach, turn your phone off, go outside, be in nature, spend some time asking yourself these questions you know but it's that thing it's like does it make us feel better uh, about our situation if other people think we're doing a lot better than we actually are but we've been conditioned right we've been conditioned to believe you know because again this is going back to the stories that we tell ourselves about the world around us 
And when we are constantly seeing, you know, people posting and, and it's all very positive and it's all very lovely, when we see that, our narrative is that this is, this is how we need to be. And, you know, we have a very massive, massive need for human connection. We have a massive need to be ex accepted in the society that we're within. And that goes right back to, you know, tribal times when, you know, you had to be part of the tribe or you might not survive. Mm. Right. So yeah. when we're being conditioned that this is the only way, you know, it's, it, it's a hard thing to realize that actually, no, it's, it's not. And actually it's okay not to be okay sometimes. And when we are not okay, how do we work through it? And do, does that mean that we have to ask for help? Because that's okay too. Mm -hmm. I think it's just about being okay with being human at the end of the day. And, and I think sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and we don't give ourselves enough compassion and we don't let ourselves be okay to be human. You know, it's not just black and white. It's not just everything is, is absolutely rosy or I'm suicidal. That's not how life works. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a whole load of gray in between there too. You know, and most of us just sit in the gray and that's okay. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. So is there one thing, like when you're speaking and meeting people all the time, mm. is there one big thing that you wish everyone understood when it comes to emotional resiliency? Yes. <laughs> you with the big questions. <laughs> yes. Yes. The one thing that I, I would say to people is please do not underestimate the importance and the value of first and foremost, finding out who you are and why you do what you do. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah. That's, that's like, you know, I wish that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's a question that I um, learned to ask myself um, is why am I responding like this? Because yeah. like nine times out of 10, if I, yeah, if I'm upset or if I have a, an emotional response, that has nothing to do with that person. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the mere fact that how you react to them on day one could be different to the same scenario on day two mm. is, you know, it's amazing. I mean, if you look at social psychology, you know, one of the things I find fascinating about social psychology is that you can get a group of people to do, you know, a test or uh, an experiment. And then depending on who they're in with or how they're feeling or whatever, you could do the same experiment, you know, like a month later and you might get different results. Yeah. So it everything, nothing, nothing is, not, nothing is, is fixed. Everything is fluid. Yeah. Everything is fluid. I you know, and that, and for people, for people who struggle with uncertainty, that that's quite a hard statement to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it, it requires getting out of your ego, right. And understanding that you're not actually in control. I mean, you're in control of yourself, but of no one else and nothing else. I yeah. love that thing that you said about projecting that everyone is projecting. And I'm like, doesn't that make it so much easier? Like if, you know, for example, if you went to the supermarket and someone was really rude to you, instead of being like, it's because they hate me. It's because I'm not good enough. You could be like, I've had a bad day or something's happened to them. It's much exactly. easier to disconnect from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell you what, people who are, are real sensitive people are the ones who are most impacted by negative. Uh, like if you're really empathic, you get like negative empathy 
situations and positive empathy situations. So if you're really sensitive, when you're in a situation with someone and it all feels good and it's all lovely, you feel like on top of the world. Then when you're around something that's negative, it really pulls you down even further, you know, which, which, you know, which is logical. It makes, it makes sense, obviously. Yeah. Totally. Okay, cool. So I would love it if you could talk a little bit about your documentary, because I feel like this ties in really well, actually, with what you're trying to do and building resiliency in people. So yeah. tell me what you've been up to, because it's so exciting. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I have a company with my husband, Rob, and that's called Hazardous Journey Productions. And about eight months ago, we started researching around smartphones and handheld devices because we have kids who are in that kind of age range. And I was worried already because at a lot of talks that I had given and workshops I'd held, I kept hearing about how women were feeling really insecure, you know, with Instagram and Facebook. And Rob was worried about um, accessibility to pornography because uh, he has two sons. And what we came across were a whole lot of, well, first of all, we were surprised at how easily kids are accessing pornography. And secondly, we found out about a whole load of um, negative impacts that that's having on kids. And what we found was that there's a, a massive lack in un- understanding between parents who think that they, they think this is happening and the reality of what's happening and the harms that are, are happening to our kids. And, and obviously porn has, uh, the porn industry has changed. What kids are being able to access has become more violent and more degrading. And they're accessing it not like a magazine that, you know, I saw a magazine when I, I was younger. My stepsister showed me her dad's dirty <laughs> magazine. And it's very different seeing a still image, you know, once in a blue moon to having online constant stimulation. So Rob and I decided that we needed to do something about this. And so we ha- are making a documentary called Our Kids Online, The Porn Epidemic. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is show parents how p- pornography has changed show them how easily our kids are being able to access it and, and the level at which our kids are accessing it. And then show them kind of some of the issues that are arising because of that. And then show them what they can do to start protecting their children now. And that involves the emotional resiliency, building that in their children. It involves um, different software and different apps. And we have a plethora of amazing information, online courses, books, access to so many different things that, that, we can, that we're going to show in the documentary. But we've put all of our savings into it. So we worked multiple jobs and we saved. And then we had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of unexpected costs. Um, so it's pushing our production back. So we've just started an Indiegogo campaign, our kids online. And we're trying to raise money for that to be able to get this documentary out there as soon as possible because, you know, 73% in New Zealand, 73% of kids, and there was a study done on this, 73% of kids are taking their sex education from pornography and they don't know what healthy sex is. They don't know what connection is, what respect is, and, and they don't know what consent is. And, oh man, the issues that are happening because of that are really frightening. Yeah. 
So you guys have got a lot of stuff online. So where can people go yeah. and find you and support you? Oh, fantastic. So if they hop on to Facebook, we have a Facebook page, Hazardous Journey Productions. And we've got links to the Indiegogo. We've got links to articles. We've got information on all the people that we interviewed across America, people that we're interviewing here and people that we're going to be interviewing in Australia. So they can find us on, on Facebook is the main place that, that they can find us and they can get to the Indiegogo through there and find out more and uh, watch some video clips about us (laughs) and also about the, the documentary as well. And we have a trailer up there as well. Our first trailer for the documentary. Yeah. Amazing. And I highly recommend that you guys jump on this stuff. We've only just basically scratched the surface here, but it is alarming. It is so, so scary. And I don't even have children. So yeah, Mm. definitely recommend getting along and supporting these guys who are amazing. Um, And so Zareen, as much as I'd love to talk to you all day, um, I I would like to ask you one final question and then I'd love to have you back on another time to continue this. Um, But if I could ask you, the, one, mm-hmm. the biggest piece of advice you would give 15-year-old Zareen? Biggest piece of advice I'd give myself? Believe. Believe in yourself. Definitely, by far. Yeah. I wish I had the belief in my passions and my abilities. I wish I'd had that when I was, like, if I knew that when I was 15, yeah, I'd definitely be, like, rocking the world by now, I think. <laughs> You already are rocking the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that all people need to do. But believe, believe in yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. I'll see you soon. Right. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye.